everyone. Welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm Jesse Neeland, your host. And today I have a special guest, Tuck Malloy, who is a holistic sex educator and creator of uh, Intrasensual Education, which is a place to explore having a body. Um, they're non-binary, trans, poly, and queer. And I've been following them on Instagram for a long time, uh, both because I love their unflinching content on queer pleasure and sex skills like uh, fisting and blowjobs and anal play. And also, I just really love watching them unapologetically play with and express their gender. It makes me very happy. Um, so here to talk to us today is Tuck. Hi, thanks Hi. for that intro. That was so sweet. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to get started by, I think, asking you to tell uh, tell me a little bit about your story. Like, how did you come to be the sex educator and creator that you are? Yeah, I, um, as many people do, have been on a lot of different journeys, paths, but I feel like sex and sexuality has always been a very, um, like, like a focal point for me in, in my human existence. Uh, ever since I was like really little, I remember being very curious about the pleasure of my body mm -hmm. and the pleasure of other people's bodies. Um, and I remember as a kid in particular, like just constantly like exploring stuff in my own time, like with my body. And I felt such a huge gap between my experience behind closed doors and then the experience that I had like out in the world with other people. I felt so much safety and curiosity and excitement about my own body mm -hmm. when I was in private. And then like, I would, you know, go to school or like be out in the world with my family or whatever. It felt so much shame, felt so weird and huh. awkward. And um, looking back on that, I think there was a lot of gender stuff happening. Cause I think for myself, I was like, when I'm just with myself, like there's no, mm. like it was, I was like, I don't have a gender when I'm by yeah. myself. Like I'm just tuck, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it was like when people, would sort of like reflect back to me what they were seeing that I was like, oh no, this is, this is very off. Um, so yeah, that's, I feel like that's sort of like the personal seed. And as I got older, like was in college, um, I just felt really strongly drawn towards the idea of bringing more accessible sex education to people uh, and opening those conversations for, for friends and, yeah. Um, and then it sort of like built from there. I started working at a sex shop right after I graduated college in Portland. I worked at Shebop, which mm -hmm. was really wonderful and a great learning opportunity because I spent all day, every day, like talking to people about the sex toys that they were interested in. And so I feel like that just like deepened my curiosity about what was going like in a yeah. more intellectual way, like what is going on with people? And their pleasure and their bodies and everyone is so so different and there are these like big commonalities between <laughs> humans like yeah overarchingly so I just feel very fascinated by all of that I love that uh it sounds to me the the really interesting thing about I don't know how to ask this exactly like why were you okay by yourself? Because I talked to so many people who experienced that a similar kind of like shame around bodies and pleasure and all that stuff when social, but they would also experience the same thing behind closed doors. Do you know why you were able to like drop I mean, that when you were alone? Yeah, I, I have like a theory. I feel like my theory <laughs> is very like rooted in how I experience the world and what I think about humans, which is that I really believe that humans inherently and sort of like at our deepest core are pleasure beings. Mm -hmm. Like we seek comfort and pleasure and like, and we're, and we're aligned with ourselves on a very deep intuitive level, just being able to be like, I know what I need. I know when I'm hungry. There are these signals yeah. that our bodies give us and that we can perceive when there's not noise around us kind of trying to um, dampen down those signals. So I think for me, my experience was that being alone with myself, I just was like, there, I don't, I don't have any judgment about myself. Like what, huh. what, like, how could I hate this body that I'm in? 
when it's just like, you know, you don't, and when you're with yourself, this is my experience. Mm -hmm. Like I had the experience of just being like, well, I'm not even looking at myself, you know, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't have this perception of like, what does my body look like? I was just like lying on my bed with my eyes closed. Um, and just feeling sensations and I I think in that space it's a lot harder to be judgmental because you're in in a more sort of just like feeling and reacting space the way that like little kids can be um you know like babies where it's like a baby doesn't even know like where it ends and begins it just knows like sad cry happy like yeah play hungry no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what it sounds like to me is that you you didn't have the internalized sort of self-objectification voice or self um even I don't know how to put gender objectification but you know what I'm saying like you didn't have yeah. that like perspective in your head of what other people would be thinking about you when you were alone. Yes. Did you ever develop it at any point or that just has been Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I feel like what I'm kind of referring back to, it was like a very young time that I remember Mm -hmm. really clearly. And part of the reason I remember that is because it's something that I've like pulled on and drawn on in therapy. Sure. Yeah. Of being like, you know, just connecting to my inner child. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And then, especially as a teenager, I feel like that was the point where I was like, oh, this is like, this is a hot mess. Like, I don't know (laughs) how to perceive myself. Like I spent a lot of time being hyper-focused. When I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time trying on different like versions of myself and trying to experience like, like I was like, okay, what, like, I'm going to try like e-girl. I'm going to try like vintage, <laughs> like girl, like all of these, like very like feminine girl yeah. personas too. Cause in my brain, I was like, I remember just being like, well, I, I'm definitely a girl. Like that was like, yeah. that was so strong for me in being like, I, I, I didn't even occur to me until later that that was an option that Same. I was like, yeah, I was like, there was no language. There were no concepts yeah. back then. <laughs> I was just trying really hard to make something work within that yep. construct. And then it wasn't until I moved out of that construct that things started to feel, I started to feel the alignment of being like, oh, I feel like I'm not hyper fixated on the way that I look or the way that I'm being perceived in public in a similar way to how I felt in private Mm. when I was younger. Um, Like that congruence came with like gender affirmation for me. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So (laughs) the reason I ask about the self-objectification, did it ever happen? I, I don't know anyone assigned female at birth who sort of got away scot-free on that one I'm not <laughs> like, sure I know never I feel like I don't know anyone who's gotten away scot-free on mm. that one I mean like I, I'm sure it's like different experiences for different people but I really feel like everyone has some level of like of being like bogged down in like this is how I'm supposed to be yeah operating um I think some people are That's more fair. I feel like maybe some people are more aware of it like like people who are moving through the world like cis men in particular Mm -hmm. maybe aren't super aware of the way that it's impacting them but it's like when you think about it it's like cis men are like very far away from oftentimes a core like root self that is complicated and messy and nuanced and like soft and sweet and strong and all of the things um so yeah yeah that's fair (laughs) so is it sounds to me like this is part of maybe even your your sort of work perspective Mm, that everyone has this core self Mm. And that what the sort of journey is to realign your self-expression with it? Yeah, I think um, I, I feel very sort of in, like curious about what the point of my work is, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I guess I just don't feel very strongly like I have like a really like that was a beautiful articulated <laughs> that I'm like, yeah, for sure. I feel like that could be the journey for somebody. Mm. Um I don't know if that's the journey for everyone exactly. Cause I do feel like there are just so many 
I feel like a lot of the time my job is simply like as a as a witness and as a curious witness to students who come into my sphere and just being like okay like what what is it that your body is craving or what is Mm. it that what journey are you on um I don't feel like I have a strong like this is the like I'm espousing like this journey like this is what I think people should be doing um because I I just feel like I've seen enough people now that I'm like somebody would come along and I'd be like oh that's just not it for you yeah yeah (laughs) that's um, fair you know it's funny because I immediately started thinking one of the reasons that I I use the word gender fluid sometimes mm-hmm. like I'll say non-binary now just because it's sort of you know it, it is the language that makes more sense to people at this point um but when I first was introduced to the idea someone had said you know hey I think you might be gender queer I like looked it up and I looked at the difference between you know all the little definitions were starting to emerge and gender fluid was sort of like passing back and forth between expressions and I was like mm-hmm. that's me because mm-hmm. there there is no core true gender expression for me there is many and they are constantly sort of they're like moods, you know? Yeah. And so I love the idea of this, like returning to a core true self. It Mm -hmm. particularly, if we're just talking about like, um, sort of knowing yourself, just being grounded in, in your most inner self, you know? Um, and especially sensations in the body and all of that. But yeah, my immediate thought was like, oh, but I have a whole bunch though. And I never know which one it's going to (laughs) be. Right. I mean, I feel like maybe there's an aspect where it's like, this the idea of a core self or like an individual self I think of as being a very specifically like western Mm. and sort of like also white colonialist sort of mindset that's like you are an individual person um and you're like you have boundaries and there's a shape to you and there's like like almost the idea of like our heart being like the center of ourselves and being Mm -hmm. like oh that's who I am um so I think a lot of the time I'm like well maybe an experience of ourself would be something that is just deeply fluid and amorphous Mm. yeah your experience of yourself could be like well that it's like it's different moment to moment but something that I can like kind of come back to in a current moment and maybe at at a certain moment it's like a communal experience of Mm -hmm. being like I am you know just my experience of being in my body is something that's like doesn't have boundaries um or maybe it's something that's very kind of solidified and has a like a condensed version so I love that too I feel like I had a similar experience when I was exploring gender where I was just like yeah it's like you just do whatever feels good on the day. Like you just get up and you're like, what do I want to wear today? (laughs) Like, yeah, Yeah. how do I want to like move through the world? Like what would just like, those are all the questions that we ask. Sometimes we don't have the option to do exactly what we want, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) But to whatever extent that we can, I feel like gender is the same. Sometimes there are limitations to the way that we can express gender because I love when mm-hmm. I talk to people who are just like yeah my gender is like a like a um like a dying star in the atmosphere <laughs> you know like they're like my gender is so ephemeral and like so um cerebral or like just yeah like just does not exist in any kind of human form mm-hmm. like yes amazing <laughs> like, I have heard I feel like that's like a very much younger generational mm-hmm. interpretation and it's I feel a little bit like my my millennial brain can't wrap my head around it but I do love it I love it for whoever yeah. connects with it yeah 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 I love it I, I actually remember reading something like a study about how a lot of trans non-binary gender fluid kids like to play with um like alien archetypes Hmm. um or like are interested often especially interested in like sci-fi or um, characters that are non-human because there's kind of this aspect of like expansiveness of being like well if you're not human then these doors open up in so many different ways I love that Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Also, one of the first uh, little like baby steps I took towards kind of coming out about my gender in my family was uh, during a D&D campaign. 
yes. that I played as a non-binary character oh and I like gosh. got everybody used to the pronouns and we sort of would play in the space of like magical non-binariness um, and it was so sort of shortly cool. after that that I came out. yeah oh my gosh that's such a good idea like I'm gonna I feel like I want to you know encourage people to do that more um, because I feel like that is a great example of a place where humans have a little bit more like brain elasticity, like yeah, especially older it's folks. Play. Yeah. Cause it's play. Um, and play is, you know, neurologically a place where we're just feel safer and we're comfortable yeah. and we're open to things. So I love that so much. That's so, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Um, okay. So one question I had is I, well, I don't know exactly how you want to talk about it, but I love that you sort of refuse to let conventional ideals around uh, binary, you know, feminine, masculine boxes and gender expression uh, determine what seems to be literally anything about you. I think that is so cool. I think that it is really inspirational and also just gives people who are going to be following you so much permission. Like I even feel so much permission in watching you be like, yeah, that like this is neither or this is both or whatever. Like I'm allowed to own all of it. And if that makes you uncomfortable, that's cool. That might be worth getting curious about, you know? So I just love that. And I was curious if you could talk a little bit about like that experience for you or just your gender expression experience in, in general. That's so nice. What a lovely reflection. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> just like, that feels like one of those things that I'm like, oh, I'm going to tuck that away for a rainy day. <laughs> it is literally a rainy day here, but yeah, that's really sweet. And um, yeah, I think kind of coming back to that idea of just being like, how do I feel when I'm alone with myself? Like what feels good to me on any given day. I feel like that's really where I operate from when I'm on Instagram is a lot of the time, the things that I post on Instagram and just how I am in my life is very like, it feels sort of, um, almost like spontaneous. Like it mm -hmm. feels like it has this like momentum energy, um, that kind of feels related to like, me probably having ADHD, I have, <laughs> <laughs> like, like self-diagnosed, um, the sort of the same experience of just me being like, I have a really good idea all of a sudden, I'm going to like pursue it with reckless yeah, abandon. Yeah. Like I have absolutely no training in like, you know, making a like leather harness, but I'm just going to try it and like <laughs> whatever happens, happens. Um, that's sort of how I feel about my gender, where it just feels like a constant like project where I'm like, what would it be like if I dressed up like a like drag queen persona version of yeah. myself like I'm gonna just try that um I'm really bad at doing makeup and so like you know that is that has become like a you know a, a barrier for me to certain kinds of gender <laughs> expression but, but you know just being like whatever like I'll just do my best um and, and then being like, oh, what if I dressed up like the most sort of like cis male version of myself that yeah, I could yeah. conjure up? Um, and, and just sort of like, I feel like I just have so much imagination and so much play in me. And I love mm. fantasy. I love role playing. I've always loved, as a kid, I was very like, we're gonna, you know, like with my friends, I was like, we're gonna create like a whole world and then we're gonna act yeah. out like these different versions of ourselves. So, um, that's I went to school to be an actor like. for the record. Oh, really? That's so cool. <laughs> I feel like I did that, or at least I tended to do that professionally, like trying on different hats and exploring different yeah. aspects of myself. I also, looking back, think a lot of that had to do with gender too. It really is. I mean, I think about that all the time, like the, especially like the world of Hollywood and like the, uh, the industry in that realm can be so binary mm -hmm. but I'm like all of y'all seem hella queer like <laughs> I'm like maybe just like get in touch with that a little bit like the idea of embodying different human experiences I'm like mm -hmm. that is very non-binary um because mm -hmm. no human experience is like exactly the same like I often say that to when I have students who are who are cis or who are like curious about gender but are kind of like I don't feel like I deserve yet or I don't feel like I get mm. to yet claim not by yeah. I'm often like well nobody is really like th it, it's not possible to actually embody this idea of a woman or a man yeah like that is a created that's a that's a persona that's a character and so any person that you take like 
give me any person in this in this world I can be like these are some qualities about this person that align with the woman persona and these are some qualities about this person that align with the man persona and these are some qualities about this person that are just like you know deeply human and can't be categorized there's so much thoughtfulness in your approach to gender, but also so much play and fun <laughs> yeah. and like joy. And I love that because I think, unfortunately, you know, being uh, the sort of transphobic world and uh, oppressive binary system that we live in, like it is often approached as a, a, a super heavy, painful topic. We don't often get to see the joy of like, you can just literally try all of it and see what you like and then throw it all away and start over. Like it can be so joyful. Right. It doesn't actually have to be as heavy and like intense as society has made it into, you know, like just thinking about my experience getting top surgery and how like I had a therapist who I specifically sought out to get the letter um that uh, for um, insurance being like okay you have like gender dysphoria disorder um and so have to check the boxes yeah exactly whatever so I'm like talking to this therapist and I remember just like I was like talking about my gender with so much nuance and so Mm. much complexity where I'd be like you know on this day I felt really excited about having top surgery and then on this day I was like feeling this grief for like letting go of just a form of my body that has literally just kept me alive and carried me and, and feeling gratitude towards this part of my body. Um, like, and, and the therapist like really took all of this in and like brought it to this like very binary, Mm. very strange place that was hard for me to understand. Cause I was like, it's almost like you haven't been listening to me. Like, (laughs) I was like, I feel like if, if anyone had just taken a second to actually take this in, like her reaction to that was like, Oh, well, you're having, you're having, um, doubts or you're having second thoughts you're not sure that you want to do this and I was like actually if you at any point if you had asked me like am I having doubts I'd be like I'm not having doubts I'm having feelings yeah you're having the full human experience (laughs) it's complicated (laughs) yeah I was like I'm I and so the idea that in her mind and I I was like this has probably been reinforced because I think a lot of non-binary and trans people feel like we have to bring our experience into a very digestible, very like cut and dry binary experience and be like, this is just what it is. I hate my body. I hate my body. And I I mean, you literally have to hate your body enough that you get a letter for your insurance. Like that's part of (laughs) the requirement. Right. We have no space for someone who just goes, I think that would be awesome. And I would love it better. Right. I would love it better. Like, I don't hate my body, but I would love it better. Where like, sometimes I hate this part of my body, but like, I can hold at the same time that also it is a part of my body that is, is like neutral. It's just Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have, like, I have the experience of being like when other people have, you know, chest tissue, for example, like I'm able to hold in many different situations, like for this person, that's just their like super strong pecs. (laughs) You (laughs) know, like those are just their like fleshy pecs. For this person, those are like their like sensual titties. Like for this person, like those are just like, you know, it's nothing. It's like, it's just like a appendage on their body. You know, it's just that they're they happen to have that shape, like whatever, yeah. it doesn't even have any um, connotations. I'm like, I'm able to hold that yeah. for other people. I can also hold that for myself. And in that, I was like, yeah, I just, I feel like it would be more fun if I didn't have boobs. <laughs> and it There's is. There's nothing in our society right now that makes space for, I think it would be more fun if. Yeah, exactly. What a shame. So unfortunate. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, just for my audience, in case people don't know, could you define, um, top surgery real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Top surgery. Um, you may also know as a double mastectomy, which is just when you get 
your chest or breast tissue removed. And there are a lot of different ways to get top surgery. There are a lot of different procedures you can get. Like, like I got a double incision with free nipple grafts. I love it that they say that, but they're like free nipple grafts. For, <laughs> like for a little free. bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time I saw that on the paperwork, I'd be like, yes, so glad oh I got my those gosh. <laughs> free nipples thrown in. Um, but they're just, they were my, they are my actual nipples that right. they, like removed and then they like cut off the extra tissue. Mm-hmm. Sew you up and then they put your nipples back on. Um, but like there's some versions of top surgery you can like get the tissue removed like through the areola. They take your nipple off and then they remove the tissue, put your nipple back on, which is really cool. And there's like, I mean, there's just all different kinds of versions of it, which I found really fascinating when I was yeah, yeah. Top surgery. I was like, I mean, it's like all the different ways that you can do breast augmentation. Of course, it makes sense. Absolutely. Like both adding and subtracting breast tissue is complicated, yeah. and there's a whole bunch of ways to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when I was, when I was getting like, we're prepping for top surgery, I, I took, I, you know, I took it very seriously because, um, it's a major surgery. And I was like, well, I just want to make sure that I've sort of like done all of the internal work to make sure that if, if I do have regrets about this at some point that I feel like that's something that I'm at peace with, you know, that I'm like, okay, that's, this is coming up. I'm sort Mm -hmm. of, um, I know what to, how to approach these feelings. So sort of expressing that fear of being like, well, what if there is a point like 50 years from now, right? Like I was like, there's so much that could change in a lifetime. Like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. What if 50 years from now, I'm like, wow, I really wish I had like huge titties. (laughs) (laughs) And my partner was like, well, then you can just get huge fake titties. Why not? And I was like, wow, that is an just incredible response to that. Just think about how good the technology will be. Exactly. I was like, it'll be no problem. Or they were like, my partner was like, you can wear fake boobs or something. Mm -hmm. They were just like, they reflected back to me the energy that I feel like I try to bring where they were like, you're really creative. I'm sure you'll figure out some way to make it work. And I was like, wow, that is very validating to just- beautiful like oh cool I'll I'll figure yeah um also I'd love to hear so uh gender dysphoria is a requirement Mm. for this like letter uh for I think most if not all uh gender yeah yeah yeah. so can you define that for us and talk a little bit about your experience I'm not hearing a whole lot of gender dysphoria but if you have had experience with it what was that like Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I have had a lot of gender dysphoria. I feel like I just... Wait, can you define it first? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So gender dysphoria, it's um, it's a more updated version of gender identity disorder, which was like the first sort of um, DSM as, you know, psychiatric term to describe people who were like, yeah, I'm not, um, you know, I was assigned female at birth, but I'm not female. Um, I was assigned male at birth, but I'm not male. Um, And so it it really just did, gender identity disorder was like meant to just describe anybody who was moving across. Whose gender felt wrong. Yeah, whose they were like- Assigned gender gender felt wrong. Assigned gender, yeah, exactly. Um, And then, yeah, there was a big movement towards being like that, that term gender identity disorder, that doesn't, that doesn't seem right. That's like, um, you know, feels like it's medicalizing this um, in a way that's unnecessary. So they were like, new term, gender dysphoria disorder. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. We updated it. Now it's Um, it's fine. So dysphoria being the opposite of euphoria, I mean, basically just means misery. Right. It's basically like you don't feel good yeah. and don't feel aligned yeah. with your, your with gender your body and your gender. Yeah. Your body. Yeah. Feels bad. Yeah. That's it. Feels bad. That's what it's, it means. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. Because I mean, I do feel like sometimes there's this. Yeah. Like I have had the question of like, is gender dysphoria an internal experience or an mm-hmm. external experience like if we lived in a society where it was like yeah you know breast tissue is not gendered mm-hmm. would people have uh, the same dysphoria that they have now about it and I think likely there would yeah. be people kind of like me who are just like it'd be more fun if I didn't have mm-hmm. boobs <laughs> yeah I'm gonna just go for that um 
but yeah so a lot of the time people describe gender dysphoria as like an incongruence between your physical experience of mm -hmm. your body and your emotional or intellectual like mental experience of your gender yeah. um but there is something to me about that that I feel like is still very rooted in the cis binary yeah version one of the of things gender. that I have thought so much about so my work is body neutrality and uh the question of like gender dysphoria very very much aligns with a lot of other body dysphoria that people will describe mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. weight dysphoria it's not what we call it but basically you know I mean there is an experience that I often hear of like I am in this body size or shape or whatever I just don't feel like that expresses who I am I don't feel like that's me I don't feel like that's whatever mm -hmm. and so why is gender different is gender different there's so many questions that have swirled around this for me. And I, I feel like ultimately there isn't one answer. Like, mm -hmm. kind of like you said, I think it's always just about being curious and bringing um, as much as possible, like clear and open eyes to the questioning of the whole thing. Yeah. But and like I, gender, okay. yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I just, I also feel like whenever I'm asking those questions, I'm always like, what is the, what is the like system or the oppressive structure that's at play yeah. here too? Because um yeah like with weight or like our body size like fat phobia is such a deeply rooted aspect of our yeah. society that it's like yeah it makes sense that somebody might be like I don't feel aligned with myself in a in a fat body because in our society being fat is dehumanized so it's like, yeah, of course you wouldn't want I feel to like a humanized. humanized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that makes There's sense. That's right. actually like, so brilliant. Yeah. Like, and I feel like that's something that is not something I came up with. That's something that I have a hundred percent learned oh my from gosh. Like, fat educators yeah. and activists, which is like, is it an internal issue or like, would that just go away if we like addressed fat phobia? Um, and I feel like a, a similar thing about gender where it's like, simultaneous that's where that question comes for me where it's just like if if we didn't have transphobia in our society how would we experience our bodies differently like what yeah. would be available to us how would we move through the world yeah. um and we just don't know we don't know and i feel like that's <laughs> one of those questions that i sometimes hear posed as sort of like an anti-trans uh mm -hmm. kind of like devil's advocate thing like well mm -hmm. but think about it would they really need to be trans if all these things mm -hmm. about our society changed and i'm like does it fucking matter yeah, okay. like yeah. does it matter like then maybe i'm like you we'd all be trans yeah, like, <laughs> maybe not but this yeah. is where like when i write fantasy or sci-fi or whatever that's the world i start imagining because that sounds cool as hell to explore but like we yes. can't know mm -hmm. and then in that world it would totally be a thing where it's like I have short hair, you have long hair. Like we just got to decide that for ourselves. Maybe we'll switch. It yeah, it's not point. a signifier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's an experience of um, being a human that's fun that you get to play with and yeah. gender is the same thing. So yeah, it, it really is kind of like in on <laughs> thinking about like D&D, &D, like on the board that we've got, you get to make all sorts of decisions and it doesn't matter why you necessarily feel like making them. I think the really yes. important thing with body neutrality is being able to see the difference between I have to change this because society has made me believe that it's worse mm -hmm. versus I'm going to change this because I want to gain certain benefits in society. Right. Hugely yes. different. And one of them is clear eyes open. Like I see exactly what's going on. Nobody has convinced me that my self-worth is going to change if I, you know, I, I've known people who've gotten like, uh, you know, weight loss surgeries or things like that mm -hmm. from a place of really body neutrality, you know, mm -hmm. they, they did not do it saying that will make me better. Or, you know, I hate being fat and it's going to change things. It's like, I have a fat phobic industry or, you know, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. I am not willing to lose out on this thing that matters to me, mm -hmm. but they've so done like the work survival. that you're talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you do the work to set and really be thoughtful about it first. Like, who am I doing this for? How will I feel on the other side? There's costs, there's benefits, you know, like mm -hmm. that to me is that sort of like neutral vision. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't think that there are like body neutral actions. It's mm -hmm. just the lens with which you approach doing anything, you know? Right. Like that's very specific person to person. Yeah. And 
And there are, I mean, I think, yeah, in many situations, um, gender affirming surgeries are survival techniques, Mm -hmm. as well as just like being life affirming for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is like, okay, how is this going to help me feel safer or like, or, or be, or like be more um, understandable to other people. Like sometimes that really is a thing where it's like, I mean, that has felt like a joyous thing to me. I, I feel more uh, like, just like excited to be in my body having gotten top surgery. So like, Mm -hmm. there's that. Um, but I also, am like, it's so nice for me to go out in the world and be like, I have a splat chest that people can't perceive in a way that is like, it automatically puts question marks. Yeah. Reduces the misunderstanding of who you are yeah exactly I mean some people are still gonna like sure sure (laughs) like yeah there's nothing you can do um but it is really interesting to think about that how the ways that we like kind of are operating in the society just trying to survive trying to find a way to um be seen and cared for and that also makes me feel really sad like some part Mm, of me is just like oh that is like really tragic that anyone would feel like a desire to change their body um not coming from a place of like that is like a joyful choice yeah um because that is it's very real that many many people are forced into doing and changing things because of just needing to um, yeah, survive. Yeah. Um, I, I think of it a lot in, in sort of like less maybe, um, dire sounding circumstances with regard to like femme stuff, beauty work, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of women that I work with will be like, is it, you know, is it not body neutral of me that I want to keep shaving my legs or something? And again, I'm like, there's no body neutral actions, right? Yeah. But there is absolutely an approach you can take in which you decide to do it or decide not to do it that is body neutral or completely like Mm -hmm. screwed over by the lies that you've been told about what these things mean. Yes. Yeah. It's almost just like about intentionality. It Mm -hmm. feels like because I feel like I've done stuff before where I've been like, yeah, you know, like maybe this is like coming from a like deeply rooted place of like body shame or something yeah, yeah. but you know like I'm still okay with that I'm gonna do yeah. it anyway <laughs> like I still feel like I want to um it makes me think about that like Dolly Parton quote have you heard this one where like Dolly was like um if you like want to change something about your body and you think it'll make you feel better and you have the money to do it I think you should go ahead and do it like she's like I have tiny little hands so I wear really long nails because I like <laughs> feeling like I have really long like fingers <laughs> and there's something to me about that that I'm just like oh there that's like when we're kind of returning yeah. to just the play of it of being oh, like oh yes. if you just want to like you know wear bugles on your fingers and pretend you're a yeah. witch like you should go for it um <laughs> or like have fake nails yeah and I think you know when we talk about gender affirming like surgeries and, and other like aspects of self-presentation we are usually talking about transgender people because that's the way it is but there's also like yeah. the probably more common way is you know cisgender women getting gender affirming surgery to get like increased size in their breasts or to get like facial feminization through fillers and things like all of these things are already gender affirming in that they they are affirming something that you hopefully at least truthfully feel about yourself if not feel bullied into unfortunately Mm -hmm. um but there's very little I would well I don't know if there's little joy in that but it definitely doesn't feel nearly as playful or joyful as I wish it would yeah I think uh I think that there's as per always so many complex aspects of that because there's like yeah there's like the the shame around our bodies just existing but I also feel like that's sort of like a hatred of um femness like misogyny or like yeah yeah like misogyny related specifically to femininity but not necessarily just women Mm -hmm. of like being like there's something wrong with you if you want to be feminine um Mm. and if you want to enhance your feminine qualities then like that's wrong and bad because so much of our society is like you shouldn't do that because there are also a lot of ways that you know cis men or masculine people 
um, affirm their gender through body oh, absolutely. changes, like working out or yeah. like, yeah, like using, or like even just using products that are like yeah. for men, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I definitely have questions about like why, why we're doing why? that, why that's <laughs> Me necessary. Too. Um, I've been seeing all of these commercials for this, like, uh, I guess it's like a, um, prescription service but it's like called like for him yeah yeah um, and then there's for her and for her yeah uh-huh. and I've just been like what happened here like yeah why <laughs> and it's very clearly like this company being like we want to affirm your gender we know yeah, that you're yeah. a man yeah and and that's that's why it's okay for you to oh get God. these like very generic yeah skincare you know, products yeah skincare <laughs> vitamins even like hair loss stuff that oh I'm like gosh, you yeah. do, y'all know that like all kinds of people lose yeah. their hair like that's just a human experience I have to say like screw capitalism in so many ways but there is a small piece of me that's excited for like non-binary skin products mm-hmm. how are you going to market to in the future. How are you gonna do it? Figure I out know. how to put <laughs> in a box. So often it's just like I feel like the imagination of like what is in between a man and a woman. Yeah. What if we just like the non-binary um emoji on iPhones? Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's just like, like a short haired. Yeah, yeah. I'm like they just have like a bob. it's like literally like in between hair they're like it's in between short (laughs) equals man long equals woman non-binary equals the bisexual bob (laughs) yeah yeah I do feel like I mean the whole point to me around being non-binary is like being gender liberated but Mm -hmm. there is absolutely going to come a day when the capitalism tries to sell us like for them for them <laughs> vitamins for the non-binary mm-hmm. person vitamins for the non-binary person oh my gosh yeah that's gonna be a really <laughs> weird time well this is my favorite thing to bring up with people to really blow their minds it's like all of the the kids who are being born right now who are being raised by people who are like you know raising them with just more gender fluidity and it's like okay maybe their kids I know kids who are being raised um with a myriad of pronouns yeah. you know it's like yeah. they she he like mm-hmm. z's um like whatever yeah. you want and it's like are those kids are they cis because if they like if they as if they align with fluidity and yeah. they're like yes I use all the pronouns that's technically what they were assigned at birth oh my gosh <laughs> so, that's like, a hilarious like how Scary. do we I know I'm like there's gonna be a point where these terms just like no longer become applicable to yeah. people's life experiences because if you have somebody who's like I've spent my whole life being gender fluid like at no point have right. the people closest to me or myself identified me as being a cis gender person mm. in the way that like a man or a woman yeah. um, or a girl or a boy and I can't even imagine just yeah. just like mind boggling and and in a good way I mean a little bit like in a jealous way because this is very sci-fi to me to imagine this world actually existing but like in a very joyful way can you just imagine growing up and never being mislabeled like Mm -hmm. or I guess labeled at all maybe I'm not sure how you know but like that's what or or the labels the labels that you're labeled with are labels that you come up with yeah that were sort of self-directed yeah that are like that one feels good now and then at any point if you want to like divest from that label you can. right this is what I always say like when I was little what I wish I had been allowed to do is move fluidly through it all to mm-hmm. figure out where I was and where I wanted to be and I think well first of all it would have saved me a lot of uh stress and anxiety uh <laughs> and confusion yeah. and shame but it also just like I I can look back and say if I was allowed to play with it when I was little you know the way that we we play with everything else basically yeah. like I think I would have probably come to some different conclusions and even now like non-binary is just this umbrella category that it, it fits it's outside of this sort of oppressive binary but like 
I would have loved to just use he, him pronouns for a year, maybe, you know, 10 years or a month and, and then move away from it and had nobody be like, what, what what are you doing? What does that mean? This mental illness? Should we get them checked? Yes. Oh my gosh. So real. Yeah. And just allowing that to live in you for a while. I mean, that's the experience that I think hopefully future generations will get to have. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel too. Yeah, I completely agree. I recently was telling my grandma because she was like, she's struggling with they, them pronouns. And she was like, it would just be easier for me if it was like, you know, even just he. And I was like, okay, you want to like, I was like, yeah. that's cool. I was Great. like, I'm actually totally fine with that if you want to use he, him pronouns for me. She was oh my like, gosh. she was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like I don't think that she was like expecting <laughs> no, right. me to say that. So then she kind of like, backtracked and she was like no they is fine <laughs> oh my gosh you know um, I used he him first it, with my mm. close people I asked them to start using it because I was like I want to hear it and this is kind of what I mean like I wish I'd been able to hear it as a kid and just see how it felt then you know but like okay fine I'm like <laughs> I don't know when I was 33 or something and I'm going to start trying new pronouns and I had yeah. like a couple of very close people using it and I would hear it and I would like feel the feelings that that brought up and after a while I think also just as the cultural conversation was evolving they them just sort of felt naturally like a better fit. Um, but I actually still love it. And occasionally my partner will say things, you know, he'll refer to me like as his boyfriend and it just feels like joy. Mm-hmm. It just is, it, it's not, but like I, I say, it's like, there's certain times yeah. that it feel would feel like joy and other times it just wouldn't, it would be like, what? Um, yeah, it's but I, yeah, it's contextual. <laughs> and I feel like for someone who really understands that context, it's mm-hmm. like the best feeling. Right. And it, I, I feel like it often comes from people who know, know us very yeah. deeply and that we feel very seen by. And it's like, that to me is the experience of just attunement, you know, like yeah. being oh, in, yeah. in harmony or like being aligned with the people that we really love feeling seen by them in the same way that for me, like, you know, like doing a bit, like having a joke, like an inside joke mm-hmm. gives me the same feeling yeah. as when somebody, I, you know, I have a partner who like, yeah, uses a certain pronoun for me in a certain moment. Yeah. Um, and it really depends on the person and the context and all of that. And I often say actually that like my gender is whatever is funniest in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like like I if it's if I'm around people who I feel safe around and like using she her pronouns is funny for some reason yeah then I'm like hilarious like go for it (laughs) um but if it's not funny then I'm like why did you do that I hate right right um yeah so I think that really speaks to the sort of like imaginative playful approach also I just wanted to say the attunement thing it just made me think like I don't know what your situation is, but for me, I grew up with really um, uh, conservative Mm -hmm. parents, family, rural conservative town, you know, like, so I I have had to work through a lot of, but why do you have to bother with all of this? That's basically Mm -hmm. like the big question. It's like anti-trans, but also just like, but why, why does this Mm -hmm. matter? Why can't you just like be normal, be a girl, just be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like that is going to be my new answer is just like, why do, why do trans people have to bother make all this extra work for you? Why do I have to change my understanding pronouns, whatever the answer is like, just to tune with the people around you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then it makes sense. It's not really a mystery. It's not a mystery at all. Like that's actually, I feel like that's yeah. Well, so well put, I feel like that was exactly what happened for me and my family. And it was actually my mom who said that to one of my grandparents who's like, yeah, lives in Virginia and is like pretty conservative and religious, um, Christian. And, and she was kind of like, well, you know, I just don't really, I don't understand all of this. And my mom was like, well, if you love Tuck as just who they are, like my mom was like, think about the fact that like, you've known Tuck their whole life. You care about them. Um, you know them, if you love them, like truly, then you're gonna make this shift because that's what they're asking for. And that's, you know, and it's, and it's not coming from like, my mom was like, you know, Tuck, they wouldn't ask for this in a way that was like, just trying to ruin your day. Of course, like, right. Right? Like she was like, just- <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's just like, take a second to just remember like who the yeah. person is that we're talking about. Like this is not somebody who's, um, 
like just does stuff to like bother other people or like does stuff without thinking about it like this is a very intentional yeah. thoughtful person and my grandma was like oh okay <laughs> mystery <laughs> solved yeah that's fine <laughs> yeah you know I also have um so my mom she will always say like I'm always going to be her daughter she has a really hard time with that but I recently um on a trip with her ended up saying that, you know, cause I basically said, do what you want. Like, I'm not going to fight for my pronouns to be changed. Like call me what you want, but know that this is what I want. Like, this is what I'm asking for. This is how I feel. And, and, uh, and nothing had changed for, oh, you know, however many months she's known that. And so on the trip, I ended up saying something about it again. And she was like, do you mind that I like haven't, you know, changed the way I, I talk about you? And I was like, what I'll say is that I notice it. I notice it. And every time I hear it, I just think like, what a missed opportunity for me to feel seen, you know, mm. call me your daughter. And there's just like a little bit of like a, like a, it's like, it bounces off me a little bit, you know? And if you said child, it would sink in. And that for me is all I'm asking for more moments where I know you took the time and thought to do the thing to sink in. Mm. And she was like really able, I think moved by that and able to be like, okay. You know, it's an act of mm -hmm. kindness for you. It doesn't have to reflect what I feel. She can see me as her daughter for the rest of her life. I don't care. But when she says daughter to me, it like just takes a little bit of the love out of it mm -hmm. in that tiny moment, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah, such an easy fair. way to be like, I love you, child, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so sweet. I, I mean, to me, everything that we're talking about is just this like, mindset of being like it's it's like the opposite of the like what is it there's like the golden rule and then it's called like the platinum rule I think which is like so gay to me so like, <laughs> the platinum rule but like the golden rule is like treat others how you want to be treated and then the platinum rule is to treat others how they want to be treated mm, I and love it I remember learning that when I was a kid and being like oh my god of course like yeah yeah that makes so much more sense like yeah like I don't know how other and people don't necessarily want the same treatment that I want we need different things and having mm. that mindset of being like being being around other people attuning to them changing our behavior for them is not a burden but an opportunity to yeah. have actually authentic relationships with people I think that's like part of what has just been so baffling to me about it is I'm like I don't want to have a weird relationship with somebody where I like don't see them as yeah, themselves yeah. and just like project my own shit. Like, I'm like, that does, what would I be getting out of that? That does not seem yeah. fulfilling for me. Um, 100%. It's that little, um, little cartoon thing of like, I don't know, some cartoon character looking at a, a butterfly and saying, hello, caterpillar, you are a caterpillar. Yeah. It's like, it's such a disconnective thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. It's so easy to change. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe that would be helpful for people to remind them that like when they're not using pronouns or not attuning to the people in their life, that it's like, they're missing out on an yeah. authentic connection. Um, because yeah, it's like, that's not, that's not what's happening here. And if you just start staying in that place of being like my for me like I just want you to be the fantasy of who I want oh, you to be yeah and that's I think that's very common I feel like I see that a lot in especially like um partnerships and couples like because yeah. it's so tantalizing to be like I would rather have this person be my imagined version yeah. of them than actually the person that I have yeah parent-child relationships too and probably Very everything so. but these are the ones that like you I know think. they're so mm -hmm. hard yeah um so speaking of I am partnered with a uh a man who I am very aware would be less attracted to me if I were to be less feminine presenting for example mm -hmm. if I were to get top surgery which is something that I have big boobs I'm I'm over them. I've been over them since they developed. I've gone through a whole bunch of healing around them. Uh, I feel like I, I divested from the whole concept of like, you know, there there's sort of telling people that I'm overly sexual and I've done like all the work to mm. heal a lot of stuff. But I think in the end, I kind of end up sort of like what you're describing. I'm like, 
I think it would be awesome not to have them. (laughs) I just think that would be really great. It could be cool. (laughs) They're annoying on a regular basis. I think it would be pretty cool. But being in the relationship that I'm in, there is like weird stuff around this of like push pull between occasionally fantasizing like, oh my God, I could do it. I could just get rid of them. And then being like, but what would that, what would that mean in this partnership, in this, um, you know, attraction dynamic. And I think one of the, the more interesting questions sort of in the back of my mind around gender lately is like, is this like, how, how do you hold it all? You know, it's, it's like, it's so simple in some ways and so complicated in others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is really interesting because I do feel like in particular, it seems like boobs tend to like be a place that, uh, that like brings this up yeah in people where it's like there's a lot of like almost like disembodied like boobs can be become very disembodied from the person that is like have has them and yeah. I've heard this from many many people in my life who have had especially like larger breasts where it's like the experience is almost like that their boobs have become this like separate object of attraction yeah. that's not related to them totally. and their like whole kind of integrated existence um because in my mind like this is kind of tongue-in-cheek but like I also am very serious it, like my reaction to that would be like great like get like make a cast of your chest <laughs> make a silicone a pair of silicone boobs oh, yeah. and gift them to your yeah. partner and be like I feel like that's, fucking that's his, yeah that's very much his response as well he's like mm-hmm. I feel like he'll joke about keeping them if I get rid of them yeah. you know but like it, yeah obviously it would be fine he would be supportive it's just it's such a like such an odd thing to hold you yes, know absolutely yeah, I, I've definitely, I've experienced this before because I'm like, I'm a like titty guy, you know, like I love, yeah, yeah. I love them so much. Just like, <laughs> that was like a like big gateway for me to like realizing how queer I was. So it's just like, oh how, like obsessed with boobs I am. But, um, <laughs> and I've had partners who have like, yeah, gone top surgery and, and like before top three surgery too, been like ha- expressed anxiety about just like knowing that I have that particular oh my gosh. desire yeah. and I, I think it's just it is a place of like it's an opportunity for some really clear like boundary and different differentiation yeah. setting of being like I can respect other people by not pointing that desire at them like that's mm-hmm. something that I talk about in my classes a lot it's like that's our sexual desire is our own like it's our own experience we don't have to direct it at somebody without their consent Hmm. like we can ask them if it's okay for us to sexualize like I could be to a partner like can I sexualize your body in this way that's interesting and maybe they're like yeah no I really don't want you to feel sexual desire like I've had partners who have had like bodies that on somebody else I would have been like oh my god like I'm gonna like masturbate to this like <laughs> the shape yeah yeah <laughs> but with that person I'm like I've never done that I've never gone there that is a closed door in my brain because that is not something that they're comfortable with um and so I think that, yeah something I think about so many years ago, one of the first like uh, sexual healing classes I ever took the teacher said not to masturbate about people without their consent and I would like mm-hmm. I like buffered so hard. I could not understand. I was like, why does it matter? Like, is this like some spiritual, like they'll feel it thing. But now looking back on this and this conversation, I'm like, Ooh, it actually really aligns with just my values around sex and pleasure and relationships and so many things. Yeah. I have a, um, a neat hack for that because I feel the tension between like I believe that our like brain space is sacred and that we should be able to fantasize about whatever we want about. Sure. And I also feel this very strongly um, where I, I believe that, yeah, we shouldn't um, sexualize people without their consent. So my technique is that I just create a new fa- like fake version. Of, <laughs> like if there's somebody who I like feel horny about, I'll like just in my mind be like, I will like create a new character, like a fantasy oh that has and then it's like then it feels like it's actually about me and my desire rather than yeah. that person because I'm like 
oh, that person reminded me that mm-hmm. I have this turn on. So like, Forced. I'm gonna yes, use that. that and like oh, build it into a, you know, like sexy avatar okay. that I can so- have sex with in my brain. Like this feels like a really important thing. What do people without such a vivid and creative imagination do? <laughs> so much of our conversation has been <laughs> in this beautiful imaginative space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is why um, sexual and erotic materials are so important because that you know, there's so much out there like porn and drawings and erotica, like stories. I feel like that's the place to go. And I wish that there was more, um, I wish it was more easily accessible to kind of like re- receive that, that content and kind of like play with it and shape it. Um, one thing that I've like encouraged folks to do before, if they were like, I don't even know what I'm into. Like, I don't know what yeah, I like. It's yeah. just like, buy a couple like random you know erotica anthologies and like read read through them and anytime you feel like a little like oh like something for me um you know just like bookmark it like put a little heart next to it in the book um and and then then you're building on that you have some sort of base and I think that that's like yeah a, a place that folks can go and I wish that there was just more collaboration possible because yeah. I feel like and I mean this is definitely part of the work that I do with students when so like part of what I do for students is that I reflect back to them what they're saying and like mm-hmm. use my imagination to be like what if you did this or like is this yeah. kind of what's going on um, so you stand in as an imagination yeah, uh, exactly. expander for people who don't have it Exactly. So like when folks are, and it's very hard to be imaginative and playful when you're in a place of stress or anxiety or trauma, shame, shame. Yeah. So, and that's a lot of the time, like when I'm working with people, like that's kind of where they're arriving. So I'm like, cool, let me like, yeah, drop in, um, do a little bit extra support around this and then, um, and then help folks kind of build their own, landscape. I love it. So I I think that I feel like the theme of this sort of episode here is about bringing play and imagination and joy to the experience of not just gender, honestly, but like Mm -hmm. having a body, having a human experience and letting that be not only a a healing place because it really, really can be, um, but also just like a new source of joy because we are so used to thinking of our bodies, most people, um, as sources of not joy, you know, sources of misery and shame and and bad feelings. Yeah, and like pain and just pain. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah. to the end, could you define gender euphoria, and mm. uh, we'll end on that. Yeah, yeah. Gender euphoria is just the experience of feeling aligned good joyful embodied um in your gender and in your human experience when when people whenever I do like a gender class and I'm talking about gender euphoria and if if folks are like I don't know what that means I don't know how to I don't know how to come to a time when I felt that I often will be like well just think about like start by just thinking about like a really good experience that you've had yeah like what is a time that was like really nice for you um what were you wearing like who are you with like mm. how did it feel in your body that is that's just like a nugget of gender euphoria and and it can be more kind of um I guess vague it can be more kind of like yeah just so for some people it's like I didn't even notice my gender and that was yeah 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 right? like I was just so in my totally. body I was like I was like doing my craft so deeply or I was Mm -hmm. like um you know or I was on a run and I just didn't even feel like I had a gender I just felt like you know blood and muscle and tendons moving together and for other people it's like yeah I put on um a very specifically like gender curated outfit yeah or like I moved my body in a certain way that made me feel really aligned with the gender that I have and it felt great I love that um Lately, my gender euphoria has come through. Um, <laughs> I can, I feel like dressing like the boys I used to crush on in high school. That's the best way I can put it. I have like I Hollister so jeans, <laughs> like baggy jeans and backwards hats. Mm. And like, I'm, I'm this close to buying like a puka shell necklace just to like go all in on it. 
<laughs> that's awesome oh my gosh I love that so much that's definitely like I'm very attracted to masculinity and so I mm. often feel this like really delicious like masturbatory like gender <laughs> euphoria where I'm like I feel good and I'm attracted to myself and it's yeah. like all like wrapped up into one really like sexy bundle so that's so fun okay well thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience and your wisdom it was awesome to talk to you and uh I so appreciate having you here and to everybody listening thank you for listening you are uh welcome to always hit me up on instagram at jesse neeland and tuck is there anywhere that you would like people to find you yeah um folks listening can also hit me up on Instagram at intra underscore sensual. Um, I love talking to folks in my DMs, but you can also email, email me at Tuck Malloy, um, education at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, I'm around. I do one-on-one work with folks. I do like classes and all kinds of things. So feel free to just pop in. (laughs) I will, uh, I'll put those to Instagram and you said, uh, what was the other one website? It's my email email, Uh, but I'll, I'll give you my website to put. Okay, great. Yeah. I'll put those in the show notes for anybody who wants to see, um, check them out. It's fabulous and I'll catch you next time.